Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. All right. Well, this is it. Week three, Joshua, fearless, wrapping it up today. Going to jump to the end of the book here. We've talked quite a bit about, uh, you know, crossing the Jordan, taking Jericho, moving into Ai and Achan's sin last week. And we compared uh, Rahab, the, the harlot, in both scenarios and uh, how she was sitting in darkness and saw a great light and responded. And so today... We're going to move forward. Um, you know, part of the book, I mentioned this a while, I think the first week, there's about uh, six chapters in there, four or six or something like that, talking about the allotment of the land, you know, and, and that's about as boring reading as you can get. So we're going <laughs> to, I talked about why we did, why they did that. But anyway, we're going to jump over that here and uh, look at Joshua chapter 14 because there's a character in there that uh, we really want to look at today, and it's Caleb's exploit. That's the way I'm tiling this today, Joshua 14. That's where you meet Caleb again. We saw him back in Numbers. He was one of the spies that went into the land, one of the 12. And uh, he came back with a great report. And yet here he is. He's 85 years old. And it looks it appears to be when, they, when Caleb jumps into, steps back up onto the stage of history here, like he's getting started all over again, like he's just ready to go. His, he's, he's locked and loaded, and he's, he's just raring, man. The guy's just... Amazing, and you can really appreciate uh, this his exploits because really because of the age uh, he's past retirement, and uh, it's quite remarkable what he accomplished during this time. Um, as a matter of fact, I found I found uh, ten signs that you're getting old. Do you want me to read through those? I, I found it as I was I read through these. I, I really started relating to them, and I thought I wonder how many out there could relate. Uh, it's it's always good. It's always good when you, you can kind of laugh at yourself. Always do that, okay? Don't ever take yourself too seriously in this life, right? There's way too much serious stuff going on. We, we need to have a little bit of levity and joy. But the first one is everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Uh, the gleam in your eyes is from the sun hitting your bifocals. <laughs> you sit in a rocking chair, and you can't get it going. <laughs> Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. You sink your teeth into your steak, and they stay there. <laughs> You're asleep, but others keep checking your pulse. <laughs> uh, your back goes out more than you do. Uh, you enjoy hearing about other people's operations. <laughs> I've had a lot of those conversations lately. <laughs> Oh, boy. People call you at 9 p.m. and by p.m. say, did I wake you? <laughs> For us, it's 10. <laughs> anyway, your ears are hairier than your head. <laughs> okay, I'll stop there. Those are just ridiculous. Um, someone said, um, old age is when you got it all together. You just can't remember where you put it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, you got to get back to Caleb, though. Okay, this is what we're about. Um, he was, yeah, he was an old man at the time. There's no doubt about it. 84 years old. He's not a spring chicken. 
but he had it all together, and he knew exactly where he put it. Now, in the Bible, um, some men stand out about others. They stand above others. They stand out. Like, obviously, Moses, he's a standout kind of guy. He outshines Joshua, but Joshua gets to lead men to the promised land. He gets to do all the exploits. Pretty cool. But Joshua kind of outshines Caleb. You don't hear a ton about Caleb. But Caleb is the one who took the mountain and slayed giants at 84 years of old age. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive guy. I think Caleb was the ultimate brave heart. Because six times through Numbers all the way through Joshua, it said he was a man after God's own. No, that was David. He, was, he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. That's pretty amazing. He was mighty, mighty in God. He was a warrior. So I'm going to open up with chapter 14 because there's quite a passage here that we're going to read through and, and check this guy out. Beginning with verse 16, going through 15. Now, again, the last couple weeks have been pretty intense weeks. It's hard to preach Joshua without getting really intense. And, you know, I mean, it's about the battles and the fighting and hidden sin and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And, you know, it's just like in your face. So today, uh, maybe it'll be a little lighter on the lighter side. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if I can pull that off. But uh, here we go. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore out the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made their hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord God with my whole heart, or wholeheartedly. There it is. So on that day Moses swore to me, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance. That's quite a promise. And that of your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Boy, there it is again. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses when Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, well, 85 years old, and I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Amalekites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helped me. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, and now Arba, back in the day, was considered a giant, and his descendants as well. So who was a great man among the Analekites? He's considered a great man. And Caleb defeated him, or his children, his descendants. And it says, then the Lord had rest from war. So, it, it talks about uh, Kadesh Barnea. What happened there? What was so big about they keep referring to? Back at Kadesh Barnea, when Moses told me and, and all this stuff. Well, 
this is one of the famous stories in the Bible. It's when the uh, 12 spies were sent by Moses into the promised land to spy it out. One tribe, or one spy from every tribe. They go in there, and after 40 days, they come back with a good report and with bad news, both. The spies reported that the land was flowing with milk and honey. That was good. They brought back grapes and pomegranates on poles. They were huge. It was amazing. The people could sample them. They thought, wow, this is incredible stuff. Promised land lived up to its name, right? It was worth the trek, the long trek through the wilderness. That was the good news. But the bad news was much worse. They said the cities are fortified. They're filled with hostile Canaanites. And the walls, they said, seem to reach to the heavens. Boy, they, I mean, they were some 30 feet high, but they were a bit exaggerating. And so here they are there. They have uh, giants in the land. They said that they're, these guys are physically intimidating. They're bad guys. And they made the Jews feel like bugs or grasshoppers. So the ten concluded that there was no way that the Jews could successfully take this land, that it was just impossible, that because of that, they're going to have to find somewhere else to live. And uh, maybe the invasion of Canaan shelf that for now, or maybe never do it. That, they would certainly be defeated. That was their words. So the majority, I think we understand, isn't always right. There were two, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, we talked about this a while back, who saw exactly what they saw. They saw the same thing, but they also remembered God's promises that God was going to go with them, and God was going to give them the victory, just like he did as he defeated Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world and the most powerful army in the world, let's not forget, that was done by God. Same God they served. And because the people gave in to their fears, though, they were sentenced to wander in 40, in, for 40 years in the wilderness. Because of that unbelieving generation, the sad story is that they all died out. Now, it's obvious from this story you could see that the majority are not always right. Often, the majority are dead wrong. But in this case, uh, they were not only wrong, 10 of the unbelieving spies, unfortunately, died. They died and perished as they made their way through the wilderness before they got to the promised land. So while the people are kind of making up their minds during this conflict of reports, Caleb makes this impassionate plea to them in Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. You find out back in Numbers that Caleb was a guy that didn't like to keep his opinions to himself. He says, don't rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The phrase, we will, be, we will devour them, literally means that they are like bread to us. Some of the translations read that way, meaning that uh, we're going to eat them up. Wow. Let me tell you, that's how a man of God talks. That's how he talks. Caleb saw the problem. Sure he did. He saw the walls. He saw the same giants. He saw everything that the ten spies saw. And it's not that he was denying their report. It's not that he was living in denial or anything like that. He knows it's going to be tough. He knows there's going to be a battle. He knows it's going to be intense. But he knows his God. And he knows his God is a big God. And he knows that God has no, no rivals and that if he follows God with his whole heart, everything's going to be completely fine. One man understood. This man understood, you know that saying, that one man, one plus God equals a majority. 
So here he is. Uh, he's, he's, he sees all the problems and the giants and everything else, but for Caleb, it wasn't really the size, about the, it wasn't the size of the problem. It wasn't the size of the giant. It was the size of his God. That's what was locked into his heart and his mind. And that paled. Everything else paled in comparison to God for Caleb. It's as if he was saying, boys, you just need to put your boots on, strap your sword to your side, grab your helmets. We're going to do this. Let's go fight. He talked like a man of God. I mean, his vocabulary was riddled with faith. Every time he opens his mouth, you see that. Doesn't that make you stop and wonder? You ever listen to what comes out of our mouths, how we talk? Do that sometimes. Pay attention to what you're saying, what your words, your, your, because your attitude is expressed through your words. Are your words, are they full of doubt? Are they, are they pessimistic? Are they skeptic? Is it like, I don't know, fear, riddled with fear? Or are your words and your conversations laced with faith? Is it all over your, let me tell you, attitude does determine your altitude. It really does. And you can see that for Caleb, who took a mountain at a high altitude with big giants. So he, he talked like a man of God. But because the people gave into their fears, they were afraid to fight. They wandered, and you know the story, 40 years. That's a long time until they all died off. And that leaves Joshua and Caleb. And so let's fast forward now, 45 years later. Moses is dead. Joshua led this new generation into the Jordan, across the Jordan. We talked all about that. They took Jericho. The walls fell down. God took them down. They took Ai after they learned a tough lesson there. They took cities uh, to the south and to the north. And now, finally, it's time to divide up the land and settle in it. And this is a big deal. We skipped over these chapters because it's really boring. But now all the tribes are getting their lot, their inheritance, and the families are getting their piece of ground. And it's going to be theirs. And this is huge because two generations ago, they were slaves. They had nothing. They were under hardship. Now they're given land. They have ownership of something. They get to put a plow in the ground. They get to be fruitful. Wow, this is exciting for them. Can you imagine? Gen two generations, here they are. Wow, I get this for me, my family. We get to farm this. We get to own this. We get fruitfulness. So this is a big day. This is like Christmas ten times over, man. So here they are. They're getting their lot. They're getting their, what God's going to bless them with. Boundaries of blessings. I talked about it in the first message. It's boundaries of blessings. It's what they're getting. And God has that for you in your life. I won't go back there again. But here they are, uh, and here comes Caleb. He's 85 years old, but he acts like he's 45. And uh, I don't know what kind of diet or supplements that Caleb was taking. I don't know what his exercise routine was back then, whatever program he was on. It would be really nice to know. I mean, have you ever seen anybody like him at his age act like that and be like that? You kind of want to, you kind of go, man, I want what they're taking, right? I want what they got somehow. What's their secret, right? But anyway, he was, he was ready to go. And I think the thing with Caleb is once a soldier, always a soldier. I mean, he hasn't retired. He hasn't retired at all. He's full of purpose. He's ready to fight. You know, I've, I've seen, even in our own congregation here, people who've been in the armed services, and they're, they're older now, and they're a little tired, and they're sitting there, but you can just tell inside they're still standing up. And they got a shout in them that says, God and country! You get that when you get a conversation. Once a soldier, always a soldier, man. What's in you, it's in you. And here he is. That's kind of like Caleb, man. 
He is there. He's, he, now consider what God said about him in Numbers 14.24. We'll back up. Let me just read a little passage. This is what God has to say about Caleb. It says, because of my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I'll bring him into the land, he, and uh, his descendants will also inherit it. He said, Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Man, how would you like to have that on your resume? God looked at Caleb and said, you're different. Man, I like you. Not, not like the others. He had a different spirit. What was the secret of his life? You know, there's really no big secret. Look, I just want to point out three things that are really super obvious that you can see in Caleb's life as he moves forward. First one here is this, he believed God when others wouldn't. That's what he did. Peer pressure can be good or bad. I think we know that. It's never easy to go against the crowd, especially when your friends are going in the other direction. If, if the people you know say it, it, it can't be done, it's always hard to say it can be. Or you're wrong. At Kanesh Barnea, it was Joshua and Caleb standing against a whole nation. Let me tell you, that's some pressure. And I understand, I can, look, let's play the devil's advocate right here. I can understand kind of like how, why Israel followed the doubters. I'm sure that they were very persuasive. When you talked about walled cities and giants um, and making them feel like grasshoppers... Let me tell you, fear is contagious. Fear spreads. Fear is a leverage that the enemy uses against us all the time because it works. I mean, he's the, I mean who wants to enter a battle thinking that there's no way you're going to win? Think about how the Israelites felt. Besides, how can 10 guys be so wrong, right? I mean, who are you going to believe, the 10 or the 2? That's pretty tough. I'm just trying to get a perspective here. I mean, you read this stuff, you go, ah, oh, I would have believed them. No, I would have, yeah, I would have been, you know, especially after you're defeated and we walked through the Red Sea and all that stuff. But hey, this is 40 years later. You know, okay. I don't know. Ten or the two. It's easy to follow the naysayers. So I'm saying it's human nature for people to follow the naysayers. It doesn't, doesn't make it right, but we need to understand really what happened here. Because if enough people repeat something that's not right, for instance, a lie, pretty soon the lie begins to sound like a truth and pretty convincing. That's how you, actually, let's bring this into our day. That's how fake news happens, right? Propaganda. That's how it happened. You remember Trump, Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, remember that way back? And the first time they started accusing, people were going, that's just kind of far-fetched. He's a Russian agent? Really? Come on. You guys can do better than that. But then for a whole year and a half, that's all they said. Because the deep state, you know, the nefarious, the, the whatever they are, they're in a corner somewhere. They have a lot of power. They give the media, not just one, but they give all of them the talking points, the narrative that they're supposed to run on. And the media is very obedient. And they say, yes, sir, yes, sir, you're paying me lots of money, and I don't want to get on your bad side. And... You know, you follow the money trails and all that stuff. Anyway, um, they, they feel like we were born yesterday. We get it. <laughs> you know, it's not hard to figure this out. And so for a whole year and a half, and what happened over that year and a half, pretty soon people started actually believing that stuff. 
And of course, now it's all been disproved and the truth has come out and, and people are flipping on them and they got, you know, anyway, you, you know what's going on out there. But it, it's interesting. This is nothing new under the sun. This is how the enemy works. You, you repeat something long enough, pretty soon people are, yeah, you know, it's like, let me tell you, if the media is out there, and you're going to hear this a lot, we've heard a lot of other stuff, touting one thing over and over and over again, they got their talking points and their narrative, and they're all doing it, you better do some research, my friends, something's up, all right, find the truth out, because it's out there, and it will eventually surface, because lies will always crumble, the Bible's very clear about that, but truth will always stand. And so here it is. It, to them, it may have sounded reasonable at the time. I don't know. Uh, but the Jews, I mean, obviously, yeah, they didn't stand a chance on their own. But what was the truth? I'll tell you what the truth was. The truth was God said, I will be with you. You will defeat them. This is your land. Take it. And they're like, ah, la, 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 la. That's the truth. That changes the odds instantly. If God is for us, who can be against us, the Bible says? How can you lose? There is no rivals when it comes to God. That's the whole point of this. And they did not stand and believe and walk in the truth. You got to give Caleb the credit he deserves. When the whole nation gave in the fear, Caleb and Joshua stood alone against the multitude. And they wanted to kill him. They stood strong. They were right. Majority was dead wrong. Usually how it is. So when you are personally challenged by the lies of hell, because you will be challenged by hell's lies whenever you're called by God to step into something and to take it and to move forward, the challenge will be there. You will have to contend for that. You will have to stand with steely, strong, stubborn faith in God and say, I know what I heard. God, I know what you said. I know what I'm seeing with my eyes and my spirit. And with my physical eyes and my physical ears and everything else is shouting at me, I believe you, God, and I will stand fast and I will stand true. And you'll see breakthrough and you'll go where God calls you to go. It's just the projection of what hell throws up in front of you to try to keep you from going there. Let me tell you what. God's truth will always nullify the lies of hell. And you stand fast in them. Well, here's the next one. He never let go of God's promises. Now, Caleb was 40 years old when Moses sent him in to spy out the land back then. And um, the children of Israel, obviously, they made a wrong choice. You could hear their complaints. Boy, I wish we were back in Egypt. You know, I, I'm sick of manna and quail, right? Moses stinks as a leader, right? We're just going in circles. Boy, if I was in charge, I'd get this place organized, you know, blah, 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 blah. You could go back into numbers, and you could read it was nothing but complaining and and uh, griping and whining and murmuring. Murmuring is one where you go, it, it doesn't feel as bad because you're not being real loud. You just kind of, that's murmuring, right? Murmuring. Murmuring is just as bad. It doesn't matter. And so that's what they were doing. And, and for 40 years, and it must have wearied Moses. I'm sure it wearied Joshua and Caleb as well. They were probably up to here with it, right? But now they're in a promised land. Moses is dead. And uh, the unbelieving generation, they're gone. General Joshua leads them into a string of victories. I mean, he is flushed with victories. The whole land is stretching before him, and it's theirs. Beautiful. And after 45 years, Caleb steps up 
back onto the stage of biblical history. He's an old guy now, past retirement age. Somebody forgot to tell him that. But anyway, here he is, and he says, Give me my mountain. I'm ready. I want Hebron. Why was Hebron such a big deal? I'll tell you what, that's what's something about guys like Caleb, man. When they go, God spoke something, or when they know something belongs to them, or belongs to God, they're not going to back down. They're just not going to do it. And they don't forget. They got memory like an elephant, man. Because way back when Abraham died, 400 years before, way back, he owned the sacred burial ground at Machpelah, I think that's how you pronounce it, in Hebron. And he bought it there from a Hittite for 400 shekels. You can read about it back in Genesis chapter 23. He purchased it so he could bury his wife, Sarah. As a matter of fact, it became the resting ground of a lot of patriarchs, of Israel's patriarchs. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Leah, Jacob, all buried there. Hebron was now in the hands of Canaanites, a bunch of squatters, a bunch of trespassers on God's mountain. That's how Caleb saw it. He says, what is going on here? This is terrible. He couldn't live with himself if he left it alone. He was very concerned. He says, that long belongs to God's people. That was Abraham's. And he intended to take it back because he hung on to God's promises. That's why he said, I want that mountain. He would not let go of God's promises. And he never forgot what that land meant. And so at the age when most people are slowing down, he's ready to fight. He's had it. All right? I've heard it sound like this. If you're not dead, you're not done. God's still doing something. He's still at work. He's still got work to do. Look, as long as you're breathing, as long as you're breathing, God's still working in your life. And Caleb never let go of God's promises because, uh, again, God's promises would nullify the lies of hell and anything that was against, that would hold him captive. Another interesting I want to bring up here, in Joshua 14, it talks a lot about, I read this is in our opening passage, it refers to Caleb as son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite. Caleb was a Canaanite, not an Israelite. A Canaanite means he was a Canaanite. He had Canaanite blood in him. Now, somewhere way back when, I don't know, one of his forefathers got connected with one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, one of those guys, and they got converted, and they started, became a believer, the God of Israel, and they, they got in line, and uh, they traveled together, and, and, and somehow, and now Caleb's a part of Israel. Matter of fact, uh, it, Caleb was 38 years old when he left Egypt. means he was a slave in Egypt. And now he's going to the promised land. And he gets first pick. He, God promises him something. He says, now it's your time. And Joshua agrees. So here he is. Matter of fact, get this. Hebrew, in the Hebrew, Caleb, in ancient Hebrew, it means dog. Think about that. Here's a foreigner who was a slave and his name means dog, and he gets first pick. Don't you think that's powerful? What is God saying to us in that? The day you come to Jesus and give your life to him, turn your life over to him, you get to go to the front of the line. You get, you get first pick, man. There's something happens, something changes, something lifts. You are transformed. You are a new creation, a son and a daughter. God calls you to the front, says, get on up here. I got stuff for you. It's time for you to start claiming and acting like it. 
Act like a child of God. Act like who you are, how I've called you to be. Yes, your identity comes into being. So it doesn't matter about your past. You'll not be defined by that anymore, what you did or all that stuff. You might feel like a dog, but you're not. You're a child of God, right? Get to the front of the line, my friends. Well, that's powerful. And so, here's the next one, the third one. It says he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. This explains uh, Caleb's success. And this says this six times from Numbers to Joshua that he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. There's a, a James Montgomery Boyce. He's a great commentator. Um, wrote lots of commentaries and books and read some of his stuff. He's really good. One of those scholars. And he commented on Caleb. And he said, he pointed out that great men tend to be simple men. They're men captured by one big idea. Weak men have divided loyalties so they can never commit to or with their whole heart to anything. They're here, they're there, they're everywhere all the time. They're never totally committed to anything, but Caleb was a simple man at the core. He believed God, he remembered his promises, and in his old age, he was ready to claim what God had promised him. When others were pulled seven different ways, he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. So as we said in Caleb's eyes, hmm, giants, ah, they're too big to fall. They're too big not to fall, right? They're too big not to miss. Caleb, Caleb uh, wholeheartedly followed the Lord. So he, did never, he never did consult the tracking poles to decide whether he should believe God today or not. He didn't stick his finger up. Which way is the wind blowing today? Hmm. You know, he never did that kind of stuff. He never asked his friends what they're going to do today. He got up and he resolved in his life. He says, I decide not to slide. I'm following my king, my savior. I'm following God. I've determined in my heart I will do that every day. Nothing will deter me from my focus. That had to be difficult, especially in the beginnings when he comes out of Egypt and everybody's against him. You know what that would do for your self-esteem? And then you got to wander around for 40 years because of these knuckleheads? Do you know what it must have taken for him to cast that out of his spirit, to loose that from his heart, to not allow all these knuckleheads, to not to be offended by them, the ones who actually wanted to kill him and stone him? I mean, they turned on him, and he had to live with these guys and keep his heart free from offense, keep his heart Keep us from these people living in his head rent-free. Keep these people from, from having all that power over his life by what they did back then. That, let me tell you, that, my friends, is not an easy thing to do. If you've been really offended or you've had people come against you or you've had stuff happen in your life and to keep your heart from becoming divided by offense and by bitterness and by fear and by anger and by resentment and by knuckleheads and by doubt because God you said we were never and now we're not and you said and it didn't happen you know, and he's got to wrestle with this stuff I wonder how long it took him to wrestle through all of that but it says he remained undivided in his heart that is not an easy thing to do you know how that is we live life life happens to us you get up one day and you get something happens it comes out of comes south on you and you don't Somebody does something, you got to shake it out of your spirit. Well, he decided 
he was going to live un- with, with a whole heart. And that means he was not double-minded because James talks about a double-minded person. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 8 says this. But when you ask, you must believe God and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Caleb had all kinds of opportunity to become double-minded and unstable. Yet he didn't. Here he is, 85. He is as stable as he's ever been. Focused, rock-solid soldier. He refused to be tossed to and fro by everything that happened to him out there. He wasn't going to be like the waves of the sea. He stayed the course. He wasn't distracted. It's pretty powerful. It's a pretty powerful lesson. We need that spirit today, that Caleb spirit today. Because there's a lot of people out there that'll put the pressure on or go along to get along. They call them, uh, what do they call them? They call them summer soldiers or sunshine patriots, you know. When the bullets start flying, things change, right? So he stood. Because if you're going to defeat the giants, boy, you got to stand. You got to be standing. And so Caleb t- took the mountain that had giants on it. Made me think about today what mountains are we facing today in our own lives? What are we facing? And it's inhabited by giants. And the Lord's been talking to you about taking that mountain. You know, there, I, I, I just want you to think about this because the Lord, I believe, has been nudging people, He's been speaking to people. Stuff about even moving and, and running for a political office. That's not bad if God tells you to do it. We need solid, God-fearing Christians in the political arena that will stand with integrity and do what's right. That's huge. Maybe God's talking to somebody or been talking to somebody about getting on the school board. You know, becoming a, a teacher's aide, getting on the city council, coaching a team. Key places of influence that you know the Lord has been talking to you about. You put that thought in your head and you're thinking, oh, that's just me. Maybe it's the Lord. And you think, well, that's a mountain. I don't know. I've never, that's uncharted territory. There's really influential, influential people there. But God says, hey, get to the front of the line. I'm calling you to get into that place and exercise your influence. You and God are majority. Don't ever forget that when God speaks to you. Get to, you're, you're at the front of the line. You're thinking, well, I don't know, I'm getting kind of old. You know, this message really is for seniors as well. You know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Come on. When I'm reading this, I'm looking at myself now. I'm thinking, God, you got more chapters for me. you got more stuff. Because think about it. When is the football game won or lost? The football game is usually, well, most of the time, pretty much every time, won or lost in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And there's going to come a time for all of us in life where reality's going to hit. I'm not young anymore. We can't kid ourselves. And we're last, maybe down to the last few minutes of the last quarter. And we may not know how much time we even got left. Well, that's true for anybody. But you still have to play like our whole life is on the line in the last quarter. Because it is. We, we don't have time to complain. We learned that from the Israelites. They call it playing through the whistle. You just play through the stinking whistle. I mean, that's what you got to do. You, you get in the game, you play hard and fast, because one day you don't know. Time gets short. 
So we do our part, and soon enough, the game's going to end. The Lord will give us the final score. But God calls us to play through the whistle, finish well. There's a finish line, and you always run through it. It's in front of all of us, and you run through it. And you play, and you play, and you play until you cross it, and you play through the whistle. That's the Caleb spirit. And I think the older we get, the more we need that. I found this poem. I'll have the worship team come out. I found this poem uh, that sums up Caleb's story. It's pretty cool. It says, he stood before Joshua with, with flashing eyes. Give me this mountain before I die. But Caleb, you're old and the mountain is high. Choose a peaceful spot on this plain to die. The people who live on the mountain are strong. And the battle you fight will be bloody and long. And as for the people being mighty and tall, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. His eyes never wavered as he spoke without fear. I've been promised this mountain for 45 years. And as for the people being mighty and tall, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. For it's not my strength on which I'm counting, for the Lord is going to give me that mountain. So let's quit talking while it's still light, for the Lord and I have a battle to fight. <laughs> Never forget that. It's not you, it's the Lord and you. You've got to resolve that in your mind, no matter what age or station of life you're in. 